Hey, Marcus. What up, cuz? You like movies? For show. You dig? That's a big for show, for show. <laughs> I got nothing else. You like getting hyphy? Yes. Uh, you like you like destroying oppressive systems? I do. Me too. All right. Uh, this is Zebras in America, a podcast about film, music, mm-hmm. books, dumplings, pierogies, all types of shit. Um, yeah. You know, still. So today, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, Boots Riley's directorial debut. Yes. Sorry to bother you. Yep. Can I give a little backstory to that? Absolutely. And I should say that it goes without it should go without saying that this episode will have spoilers Lots. from the film. So mm-hmm. if you have not seen this movie, you know, and you maybe you haven't listened to all of our episodes, go back and find one. I think uh, go listen to episode nine. So <laughs> Boots Riley, which we've said before on the show. But just to give, just in case you're having some first-time listeners, Boots Riley is the frontman rapper of The Coup, mm-hmm. Oakland-based rap outfit. They started with Pam the Funkstress, rest in peace. And who else? Oh, I forgot the other guy. Damn. Yeah, they were a trio. I know they were. So, give a little Coup bio real quick. Oh, just the early 90s um, uh, Bay Area rap group. Pretty legendary, um, slightly more legendary in a regional sense, but in terms of just worldwide and people who really know hip hop, they know Boots Riley to be an amazing rapper, an amazing storytelling rapper, and to be quite honest, now I'm gonna get a little personal. A lot of times, a lot of like politically charged rap groups. I guess we mentioned this in in, in a previous uh, episode. Yeah, but I think it's okay because we may the, get some yeah. first time listeners. They're not the most talented at just rapping, like. At the end of the day, I like the art of rap. I like hip-hop. So it's like, I understand if you're trying to get a message out, but at least be good at rapping and, and making music and making beats. And Boots Riley is one of those people. Like, he's one of the best at it. Like, if he if he weren't even politically charged, if he was rapping about anything, I'd still listen to him. Uh, right. He I just think, happens to be very... Uh, I think he's I think he's the best know. political rapper. Probably, yeah, yeah, Paris, yes, yes. You know, Paris, Chuck D. Yeah. Boots Riley Paris Chuck D. And I was just about to say something, but I went completely blank, mm-hmm. which is really upsetting. Just so you know, like lots of rappers from a Most Def and Quali to Pharrell Monch and Nas get political, but they're not like the, the, the three rappers we're talking about have really dedicated like all, just about all of their work to being very politically charged, to being very socially conscious. Um, you know what I mean? So, oh! Why is intelligent? Yeah. Why is intelligent Mr. actually... Mr. Liff? Mr. Liff, rep, Massachusetts, uh, rep, rep, represent. But, like, why is intelligence is another one, actually, you could give. I'd almost like to see a rap battle between why is intelligent and, um, and Boots Riley. Cause I'd rather both, have uh, them... You know. Well, both. obviously, that, that's just the... I'm very... Uh, I used to do a lot of DJ battles, so I'm all, all, hip-hop is rooted in the battle and and I'm better I'm the best at doing something so that's just where my mind goes and like and like Zach Roach Zach De La Roca but yeah. you know he's yeah. I guess he's important he's important and Raging important. Against the Machine I look at Raging Against the Machine and Tom as, Morello as, as, as a unit 
Tom Re- Tom Morello and Boots yeah. Riley have worked together. The Night, the night Watchmen. They, yeah. they they did a project together. And okay, okay, so all members of the coup, past members. I think we were thinking about E Rock. Mm-hmm. There's also T Cash, Latoya London, Pam Funchess, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. You know, because she was not only like a really talented DJ at the time, it was mostly male dominated, yeah. and she was doing her fucking thing. And you remember Silk E? She she does a lot of work with with the coup. Oh and, no! And she won an MTV. Con- concert because KRS One thought he was awesome. She was awesome. Oh wow! But this is back in the day. Let me also say too, Pam the Functures is the first uh, DMC finalist, first female DMC finalist, uh, ni- uh, the nineteen ninety four uh, DMC. So uh, so she made history in 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 hip hop outside of just rap music as a turntablist to be the first female uh, final DMC finalist is kind of is, is a big deal. And I've said this on the show before, but I'll say it again because. My my rap group Nuclear Family opened up for the coup during the Pick a Bigger Weapon tour oh. at Bowery Ballroom, and it was our biggest show at the time. Wow! And uh, Boots was Boots was really nice. He's a nice dude. He's a nice dude because mm-hmm. he's 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 an amazing activist, amazing rapper. Yeah. Uh, Kill my landlord, genocide and Jews, steal this album. Party music, which had to be taken off shelves originally yeah, because of the the album cover, the album cover had. The destruction of the Twin Towers before it happened, obviously. Yeah. Pick a be- bigger weapon and sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. I just, so for people like you and I, we've been following Boots Riley's career for almost 20 years. Which is crazy. Uh, no, you know, longer. Like, I, seventh grade. The, the summer before the eighth grade is when I first discovered the coup. That, it's like, so we're getting almost like quarter of a century, which is crazy when you say it that way. I know. Because yeah. I also remember being at Amoeba Records, which is a, a legendary. Oh yeah, spent rep. a lot of money there. Yeah, I mean you can't not. It's pretty difficult. And I was at the one in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I and I had I saw Steal This double album, the re-release of Steal This album, which has the best song about sex work ever. Mm. Also has Piss on Your Grave, which I think is just the funniest song about peeing on the graves of dead presidents. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just being. I was like so happy to have this double record because it was a reissue yeah. of the 1998 one. So, which is all to say, which all leads us to, are you familiar at all with the McSweeney's group? No. So, Dave Eggers, who wrote Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius, mm-hmm. uh, Hologram for the King, a whole bunch of stuff, very popular dude. Hammond and Neve Clemens Caligari opened this store in the Bay Area that sells pirate supplies and books. McSweeney's is like a book publishing company and a magazine and they put out a Oh, I know that. Oh, okay. Yes, I do. So, and they found out that you couldn't open up like a tutoring center for kids Mm -hmm. in certain zoning laws. So, they would open up these stores that sold other cool things as a way to have tutoring in the back. Mm -hmm. So, in Park Slope, Brooklyn, they have a superhero supply store I think there's a robot store in Chicago, mm-hmm. and the first one was a pirate store, mm-hmm. and I and I was really drawn to there because they on the front of it they had a mural by this artist who who I really really do love. Excuse me, sorry, Chris Ware, mm-hmm. who who did this comic book called Jimmy Corrigan and Building Stories and Acme Novelty Library. So I just remember going there and just being like, "What's going on?" And they put out these books and what's really dope though is that they have this 826 series where they teach 
where they help kids get better at writing and math and tutoring for free. Mm. And then they release their writing and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're, like, you're like, how is this connected? Sure. Because it's, they started out as a Bay Area advocacy thing. Makes sense. And then a few years ago, Boots Riley wrote a script. Mm-hmm. And didn't know what to do with it, didn't know how to get it made. So through McSweeney's, they published the script. Mm-hmm. I think in 2014. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this story? No. Okay. And it was through that script that I believe he was invited to the Sundance Workshop. Oh, now I know. I know about the Sundance Workshop. Yeah. And then he was able to make this movie, and it's truly amazing because he's got to be in his 40s. Late 40s. Late 40s. Late 40s. So for, for and, you know, and he was, he, was work, he was rocking with E-40 and Tupac back in the day. Sure. He's a dude that bridges the gap. And then this movie got made, and I, I remember seeing the script. It's now like $300 on eBay, mm-hmm. and it's, wow. it's changed quite a bit, but I remember just being so excited that this was happening. And then fast forward two weeks ago, I finally got to see it in the theaters. Yeah. And I had, I had a lot of thoughts. Sorry to bother you being the story of Lakeith Stanfield. He's, he's uh, dating Tessa Thompson. Mm-hmm. His best friend is Jerome Fowler. And he starts working at a, t- at a phone... What are those called? Telemarketing. Te- telemarketing, yeah. And he finds that when he uses his white voice, he can sell more shit. And then a whole bunch of stuff happens. Yes. What did you think of this movie? So, yeah, I, I've been going back and forth. I saw it uh, less than a week ago. And um, at this point, I think I'm just more happy that a guy like Boots Riley got to make a feature film that, like, is... You know, and this word has a million different meanings, but it's mainstream. Like you can, I can, I literally saw. I've been at both the Forty Second Street Theater and the Thirty Fourth Street uh, AMC this this week, and to see that movie play there, and not on some typical like, not that there's anything wrong with this at all, but like, oh, it's at IFC for six days. Like, no, this is a movie with like a lot of big names in it, a lot of push behind it. Um, it's it's on a lot of big screens. I'm just more happy that one of the most authentic people from the hip-hop world got to make a big feature film. In terms of the message, I've come to the conclusion that, like... Eight million dollars so far. Nice. It's This movie is not... And I mean, I'm not being negative. I don't think the message or this movie is necessarily for me because at the end of the day, like, I get it. Like, in terms of, like, the downward spiral that could come with selling out, but also the struggles. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm sure... Sure, I know. I both of us and a lot of people listening right now have been broke, and sometimes it's like fuck that. Like being real shit, I'll sell out. I need money. Like that thought has come to all of us many, many times over. So I just think ultimately, it's just like when when the credits rolled, it was just like, yeah, no, no, I I, I get it. It's more just I like to now stand back maybe and watch people watch this movie. And I, and I like that Boots Riley is getting success. But for me, it's one of those things like, the movie's fine. Yeah. I get it. To me, it's non-threatening. But I guess to other people... I don't... I disagree. To other people... I disagree. It is threatening. And, and like, dis- I'm talking about to me. I just think oh. to other people, it is threat-threatening. Because a lot of pe- 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 people don't get it. I just think to me, yeah, at the end of the day, like, it's fine. I think... 
look, I'm, I'm never, I'm not even, I'm never expecting perfection from filmmakers who I love, you know, and 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 adore. I just think sometimes the tone was just like, wait, what, what are we doing here? What are we? But then other people could look at that as, hey, uncategorizable movies. It's something a lot of people can't pull off, and that's very unique to be uncategorizable. It's just sometimes it's like the dark humor, the humor, the seriousness. It's like where are we kind of going with with, with this? It, it it had a lot of just like typical tropes that that you'd find from like a politically charged sure. dark comedy. And there is you know? there's definitely like a tonal shift that yeah. that changes a lot of stuff. And I'm not even talking about the the twist. Yeah. Even when you start getting to the twist, yeah. There's some stuff, and we talked about it in the show before. But there's also something about a Maria Abramovich type performance where Tessa yeah. Thompson with the middle yeah. fingers is performing yeah. stuff from the Last Dragon. Yeah. And I think, I think the film, as far as a first film from somebody, yeah. is very strong. Yeah. And it's not, it's not an imperfect film. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a perfect film. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. There's, there's some stuff I, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike any stuff, but I think there was some pacing things and some, yeah, it was a first time movie, mm-hmm. and what makes me really happy is just like the f- the film had this message of unions and mm-hmm. the problem the the greed of capitalism and how weird meme culture is going and that is true yeah the the whole well yeah cuz there's a segment in the film where Keith Stansfield gets successful and he kind of breaks the line and then a protester hits him in the head with a can of Coca-Cola and then it becomes a viral video um, and then it becomes a costume that people wear yeah. and then the woman, the, what's funny in a funny twist, the woman who's protesting all this capitalism stuff is offered a contract with the soda company so that's, that's kind of a funny little twist and, and, and comment on, on things. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so so the and then the 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 trick is when he finds out, Lakeith Stanfield's character finds out that the company he's working for is sort of this super corporation that's that's having. It's like modern day slavery, basically. Modern day slavery, and then they're trying to turn it up a notch. They're trying to so people are like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have to worry about my life anymore. So you can kind of sell yourself into this company where you live and work and don't have to worry. And then you find out at the secret evil party where... The Eyes Wide Shut party. Eyes Wide Shut party where they have Lakeith Stanfield's character perform a rap. That is my... That might be top three favorite scenes in in the movie for for me. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. Because... And he's having trouble rapping, so he just starts saying a term that that I can't say over and over again rhythmically and people lose their mind. Yeah. And Army Hammer as the as the evil white as evil white dude was yeah. so good. Yeah. And then you and then the twist again if you've we told you that this this episode was going to have spoilers. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that they're making horse people. Yes. To make harder, stronger, faster workers to get more Slave labor done. They're making super slaves, basically. Yeah, they're making super slaves. Yeah. I gotta say, too, my my other favorite thing why I popped was... I don't know if this is... I guess more voice cameo, but, but Forrest Whitaker showing up as one of the horse people was, yeah. was pretty awesome. The um, voice work was Pat Oswalt. Yeah, David Cross. David Patton Cross. Because yeah. uh, that, dude, that dude from Power. Yes, yeah, him. Yeah, I, I, with the eye patch. Yeah, I, I don't know his name, but... 
yeah, it was it was a cool it was a cool it was there were really cool things. Yeah. And what really excited me were some were some of the films that that I was thinking about and all the other things and I'm sure you're Yeah, I was going to get it. that that's really if anything it made me think of movies that I wasn't either two things I wasn't either expecting to think of or shit I hadn't thought about in a while. Like um again, there's this for those of you I'm sure some of you listening to his podcast know, you know, um, Lindsay Anderson and, and his movies. And the sequel in the McTravis trilogy called Old Lucky Man is another movie about capitalism, about unions, about hardships, about giving up because you don't have enough money to support, any, which is all the themes inside to bother you. There's a big plot twist in that movie around the same time yeah. where Malcolm McDowell's character, Malcolm McDowell's McTravis discovers that oh these scientists are trying to make animal people uh, for you know far, for better farming uh, purposes which isn't a far cry from the, from the, the plot twist and sorry to bother you and like it shot like the one reveal scene it shot very I, I, identically but then it also reminded me of you know stuff like right down to stuff like Office Space or Jacques Tati's Playtime, where it's just like these monotonous office panels, these yeah. workstations, or of course, you know, a very forgotten about movie, or maybe it's not forgotten about because I tweeted about it and other people were just like, holy shit, I remember that movie, uh, uh, Live in Large. Which, uh, I, which, I yeah. re- which I watched yesterday. Yeah. Starring Kyle from uh, Living Single, for those of you who remember Living Single. And, and yeah. Africa Baby Bam. Africa Baby Bam, Jungle Brothers. Jungle Brothers. Yeah. It, Who just that, goes by Africa now for good reason. He, he just I understand goes that. by Africa, yeah. yeah. And Living Large is a movie about this dude from, from the hood in Atlanta. Yeah. Really wants to be a reporter. Mm-hmm. And he shows up to a hostage situation. And the famous black reporter that he's looking up to gets shot. And he just takes up on it. And, oh, yeah. Spoilers for Living Large. It might be on YouTube. Wink, wink. And yeah. <laughs> he he then becomes this his own thing, and then there's some satire, and then he starts oh, seeing yeah. himself become white. Yeah, you know. And you know, off off record, you brought up something too that I didn't even think of, which is a movie I love. Both Sorry to Bother You and Living Large owe a bit, and I don't mean this in a negative way. Are definitely from the school of Robert Townsend, specifically um, Hollywood Shuffle. And I was just like, oh hey, shit, I was you know. Been, I was gonna get there, my oh, friend. Oh, sure. Because yeah. remember, uh, I I have to write notes because of my memory. Mm-hmm. It's very so. I I have I have Hollywood Shuffle. You seen Gummo before? I'm joking. No, because I bring Gummo up. Go ahead. I was joking about you said memory, and I was talking about how I always forget that I talk about Gummo on the show. <laughs> what the fuck? There Damn. was so there yeah, was. There was this BAM festival that just came out called On Whiteness, mm-hmm. which uh, I felt missed some some really good opportunities. Specifically, Cobra Verde, about this German Klaus Kinski guy who goes to this African village and is just like, hey, we need to do this. Or Mandalay, uh, same premise. Especially, or Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo, uh, another, he goes uh, into the Peruvian jungle. Yeah, but people, and, you know, people would just get so upset watching Mandalay that they would be like, I am upset and I don't know why yeah. and I know why because it's an upsetting story and who who you know the the Danish director had a lot of balls to tell the story as a non-American having not stepped foot around American black people on American soil making you know. making some very troubling views yeah. but also 
Yeah. Um, the movie that we were just talking about. Yeah. What were you we just talking about? Living Large. No, but I was just... There's another movie that I thought should have been on Whiteness that we had just... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Wait. Didn't you say Wanda? Weren't you saying Wanda? No, Wanda been? should have definitely been in the, in, the, in the film series on Whiteness. Yeah. But there were some other movies that we had just been talking about, like The Landlord, but that, that was like M2 Maze thing. But there's mm-hmm. just like all these movies that, that, that missed the point. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I think it was these, these movies were bad, or I think the, these festivals are, are interesting, mm-hmm. but there was some stuff that, that really were about whiteness that I thought could have, could have been there, and there was a movie on the tip of my tongue that, that we didn't get to, but that it's whatever. What I really liked about Sorry to Bother You was I was just thinking about all these other movies before it, that you know had had these sort of vibes you know like a repo man and a spook, mm. spook who sat by the door definitely which is which is actually at metrograph right now idiocracy obviously of course. southland tales mm-hmm. uh groove tube mm-hmm. uhf yeah um and I, I, I actually don't really want to give Putney Swope too much credit because I actually don't see that much Putney Swope in this film. It's like, I do, but in a reverse kind of way. No, well, the whole idea of people, in, in a secondary way, like these people, these brown people organizing and trying to shake up the system. So not on the first tier of, of movies, but I definitely... I definitely see some Putney swooping there, but on but on but on a but on a secondary uh, a second tier level. And like the, like the skits and the ultra parodic nature of the commercials and meme culture inter interwoven yeah. into yeah. union politics, which which was more like like Groove Tube to me than Putney Swope, yeah. but that's just also because my very good friend's mother is in Groove Tube. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, she's she's in a gorilla costume, but mm-hmm. I know. Still. And there was actually a scene in Sorry to Bother You that reminded me a lot of a scene in Newlyweeds. What's but, that? Oh, what, 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 what? Do you remember the mask scene in Newlyweeds? Of course. Yeah, there was another scene with Lakeith and Tessa that that reminded me of it in in tone and music. What's... Where, where, when did she put a mask on? Not really a mask, but it's it just had Oh, a just the idea of them lying in bed together. Yeah, with the colors, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Which, yeah, just, which, just, which just made me happy. Definitely. Yeah. I also watched a award ceremony recently, and Ryan Coogler was on there. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize how thick of a Bay accent he had. Oh. So it makes me happy that, like, two guys that have thick-ass Bay accents are making movies that people are liking. I implore you to seek out um, Ryan Coogler's interview. He was on Elvis Mitchell's The Treatment Podcast. This is years ago at this point. It was um, Fruitvale Station was coming out. So we're going to like 2013. uh, And he was talking about like, Ryan Coogler was super young. I mean, he's young now, but he was super young when he made Fruitvale Station. And you can tell like through everything he says, like he had a passion for cinema and he was just learning like someone in their early 20s just like he's talking about like just learning about like kurosawa and ozu there's something very like 
pure and raw uh, about that. Like, it's a great conversation. And how prideful he was to, like... Because you can tell, when Fruitvale Station came out, all you do all these rounds of interviews, and you see a lot of the same faces and color. So to be interviewed by this, like, by Elvis Mitchell, this black guy with dreadlocks, who's been a staple, like, in the film community for a long time, I'm sure that kind of perked him up and made him happy. Because at, at one point in the interview, he was just like, hey, man, I wanted to say, you, hey, dog, I just wanted to say, man, you one of my favorite dudes doing this, man. Like, you could tell... He didn't say that to any other person that he probably was interviewing with, you know. Yeah, at the he's time. also one so. of the best film interviewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. He another uh, another great one. He has such well, a wait, lovely. Which, it, which, which one is this? It's again? called the treatment. I don't even know if it's on iPod iTunes anymore, but you can get them on YouTube, I, I believe. Okay. He has such a lovely years. Ago, he had a lovely interview with uh, Vincent Gallo about the Brown Bunny, which is just one of my favorite conversations. Where Vincent Gallo talks about, like, given his ego, which sometimes I think is an act that just goes too far, he goes, sure. he goes so far to credit films that, like, specifically influence the Brown Bunny. Some that, some that surprised me, like Fassbender's Corel and stuff like that. I just didn't expect that from Vincent Gallo. But um, anyway, going back to um, so, uh, Sorry to Bother You. Now, just one second. Yeah. Now... If Ryan Coogler had directed the movie we were talking about last week, The First Purge, that'd be a much different fucking movie. Yeah, it'd, it'd be... It would there's be so fruit, many places to go with It would be Fruitvale Station. Yeah, he already made, But it's like, I feel like... One thing, so... I just remember the Fruitvale Station and Black Caprice and Newlyweeds were all... Blue Caprice, excuse me. Yeah. Were all at... And, Big words, I think, were all at Sundance the same year. 2013. Oh, yeah. I've seen all of the... I saw all of those movies in the theater. Yeah. Um, Blue Caprice slept on film. Man, now this episode's going to be about that. I, I just think, unfortunately, any movie that kind of... I'm using air quotes. Humanizes bad people also mixed up confused people because right. one of them wasn't one of them was calculated and fucked up but I just think anytime you know like people in me oh we're just gonna humanize it <laughs> and I think a lot of people blew it off but then it got rediscovered through VOD right. and Netflix like people are like oh this because here's what I have to say so have you ever seen um, any of uh, Alexander Sakharov's uh, trilogy uh, The Sun Moloch Taurus no. Oh, it's about the sun is about Hirohito. Uh, Malik, uh, maybe I'm getting mixed up. Malik is about um, not Lenin, who is Trotsky. Uh, no, 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 no. It's about Vladimir Lenin, and then Taurus is about Hitler. And are, they, all, are they good? They're excellent movies. And what I'm getting at is Taurus, uh, the the film that focuses on Hitler. A lot of people had issues with it at first because he's not this like. You know, like, it, it's like, unfortunately, Hitler is kind of like a joke now. This like, isn't he's, the movie he's that, the, had the, that had the Hitler meme. No, that, that, that's exactly what I'm talking... No, that, 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 that's downfall. But that you, you, just trans- you just totally threw me the alley-oop. The problem is exactly that. Hitler's not... I mean, I, I'm not trying to... I, I make a lot of messed up jokes. I'm not one of these people. But Hitler and what he did is he's not a meme... He's not an internet sensation. He's not a cartoon. He's a murderer. He's not a guy standing at a podium like joking like rah 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 like. No. Taurus. Again, Taurus Tor- is Stalin. Okay, so Moloch, which is the hit, which is the hit, Hitler film, 
it shows a humanistic, a realistic portrayal of Hitler. But in doing that, that makes his atrocities that much more scary because it's like, oh, it didn't come from this fucking G.I. Joe Cobra Commander bullshit. It came from this like real human being. And that's really scary that someone was capable of doing all the shit that he did. And that's uh, and I think that's important in biopics. Like, again, Downfall is a really good movie. But towards the end, it does succumb to... And it's true, Hitler did apparently have a temper and he liked to do all that shit, but there's just this, like, oh, jokey portrayal. I didn't of, realize of, this of, is the of, Russian of art, dude. Yes, Alexander so, Sullivan. Yep, I, gotta, yeah, I, gotta check, I gotta check out some of these movies, dude. Uh, a friend, uh, an, an old friend of Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky they, they, they go back. Um, yeah, The Sun is great. Honestly, all three... And, and here's the thing about those movies. Well, all his movies are, but these three movies specifically, they're very quietly trippy. Like, if you watch these movies with the lights off, you'd, you'd have a really good, fun experience. Because it's just, like, the music is very, like, um, droning and hypnotic. Um, yeah, they're good. I, I mean, I'm a big Sakharov fan. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's important to, like, show realistic monsters and not play into, like, the jokey I mean, shit. I totally agree. Or, like, like, The Killer Inside Me wasn't my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Casey Affleck yeah. murdering people, but that performance he gave, I thought there, there's a scene because uh, that movie's very tame, and then there's a scene early on in the film where this homeless guy asks him for money, and he puts a cigarette out in his hand, and then the way Casey Affleck reacts after he burns this homeless guy, it's like oh shit, he like he smiles and he kind of makes fun of him. It's this great great moment. He's just like ouch. A cigar, and like he just has this evil smirk, and I'm like, wow, yeah, that's uh, that's evil. Yeah, and there's also a, a couple, a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Is that um, the thing about like the blue the blue caprice? Oh, that's what yeah, that's what was that we're talking about yeah. is like, you know. One of my one of the movies that's really difficult for me, like one of my least favorite movies, is Happiness, mm-hmm. and part of that is creating a three dimensional child molester. Yeah, and which is Blue, weird. Blue Caprice created this three dimensional terrorist serial killer couple. Yeah, and you compare there, you, you, there's another movie you said that had a similar. You were comparing it to another movie recently. Blue Caprice. Oh, the only thing I was comparing it to just in tone and look was Moonlight, because there's a lot of similar right. shots, but not plot-wise. No, 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 no. Not, not plot-wise. Oh, well, I guess in Moonlight, there's a guy who takes another younger guy under his wing, but different stuff. Different, different, different sort of thing. stuff. But, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, like, it's just also interesting that all these movies came out with different characters and different points of views. So, so obviously, black cinema can have many different... Yes. views and different styles Mm -hmm. and um boots riley if you're listening we would really love to have you on the show and discuss you know we have our ideas of movies that we think you like that may have influenced us movies but maybe we're totally off base we'd love to hear your influences and and the movies you like and and the stories yeah you know yes because i'm so when it comes to like you know, other filmmakers, which Bruce Riley is now, the whole idea, hey, what movie has inspired you? It's kind of like you roll your eyes at it, but a guy like Bruce Riley, who's a rapper first, at least in my eyes, it's Absolutely. like, oh, what movies inspired, what movies are you, were you watching 
that and and not just that that helped you maybe come up with the plot, but just like the look of certain shots or just like just what movie what movies inspired you over all your years on this earth thus far, you know? Yeah, you did you like being there? Right. Yeah. Like, do you do you like Hal Ashby? Who do you like? Yeah, I want that surprise because there's got to be. There's got to be a surprise, like, oh, you know about that? Oh, you like that? Like, that's... It can't be... It can't... Not everything can be, like, super obvious. You never know, like, what... Who, like, people's, like, really big... I mean, when I first... When I first met Shaka, I was very pleasantly pleased and surprised. Like, he liked Little Murder so much. Yeah, so one of of the tone inspirations for Newlyweeds, which is a film I scored. Yes. And am in shortly. Mm Mm-hmm. Play... Play a weird person... I always think about and fucking um, the old lady who says pussy clap in Louis Weeks. I think about that a lot. It's very funny when she sprays him with the spray, but then in his dream sequence, she has the gun in slow motion. Pussy clap. Sorry well, if I offend anybody by saying what I just said. I'm sure. I mean, people we're get canceled. People were uh, there were like a couple preemptive annoyances at Newlyweeds because because in one scene Amari's character um, no Amari calls uh, that character a bitch okay because that was that was misogynistic well if I could just say he calls her that after he's trying to do his job and she sprays him in the face with bug spray Correct. so anyone who does that I'm calling you a that, bitch that's, too. it's not misogyny for, also <laughs> For a character saying stuff, you know... A character... Exactly. A fucking fictional character in a and movie. I, and I don't even like defending Minton Marimino. Yeah. But even oh some boy. of his characters saying stuff... Ah. A lot it's, of his characters shouldn't have said stuff. But... Just because a character says something... So what? Like, none of y'all are canceling Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I was about to say it's about to get real with this next Tarantino movie. I almost want to stay off Twitter for like the next two months when that after just before and after that movie comes out. What's what is it? Uh it's 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 not a it was falsely advertised as about, but it's centered around the Sharon Tate murders, the Marilyn Manson Sharon Tate murders, and we already know how Tar- how Tarantino. Gets a boner about violence against women, and also and really likes Roman Polanski. Yeah, Rome yes, Plan- yes. Yeah. He's recorded as oh god, yeah, recorded saying the things he said, and he just loves to like essentially masturbate to just like violence against women, and this is the one of the ultimate violence against women stories. So it it's it's I'm being dramatic, but it, it's definitely right. going to cause this war where it's just like. You're always going to have these, like, Tarantino defenders who usually suck. And then there's the, like, extra sensitive people that are just going to be going at it. I'm just... There's going to be so many think pieces that I'm going to have to avoid uh, when that movie comes out. Yeah, man, I'm sort of over think pieces. I was just saying... People, like... I don't know, unless they're interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite think pieces is Joan Didion her takedown of Manhattan mm. when it came out. Yeah. Oh, when it came out. When it came oh, out. I'll send it to you. In fact, maybe I'll link it to the show notes, but then again, earlier said I, I said I was going to link something in the show notes and I totally forgot what it was, so oh. yeah. we'll see. But 
her, her problems with Woody Allen 20, 30 years ago were like some of the problems that I have with Woody Allen now. Right. Not, not, the, not his character. I mean, I have problems with his character, but I do have problems with how elitist some of his films are, especially in retrospect. Yeah. Just how yeah, elitist, how like... Not saying his worlds don't exist, I don't really know anything about them, but just how, like, how many decades do you have this kind of, like, exclusive side of New York City that's very one-tone, monotonous, homogenized. That's That's been my issue with him since, like, for a very long time. But I'm not, I, he's one of those guys, like, I get it, but I'm not, like, the biggest Woody Allen fan. And that has nothing to do with his extracurricular stuff, just his movies, it's just, like... I tell people, like, I'm the weird, like, one of my, like, I love Sweet and Lowdown. So well, because that, that's a good movie. Right, but what I'm getting, like, the tip, like, what? Any Hall? Manhattan? Blah, 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 like, that kind of stuff. Yo, it's people like, eh. get so pissed if you're, like, talking about Woody Allen, but, like, right now, and I don't think it's going to stay this way, but usually my favorite Martin Scorsese film is his part in New York Stories, but right mm. now, The Age of yeah. Innocence is my favorite one. Wow. Because I like That's the cool. period piece yeah, stuff. I like, yeah. you know, and because I'm just not really super into crime stuff right now, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is this is fun. I like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. But let's, I, I really want to try to get back to, sorry to bother you. Sure. Or how, like, prophetic things can be because mm-hmm. idiocracy was so prophetic yeah. In retrospect. Yeah. And sorry to bother you takes has some of those ideas as well. Or my friend was telling me how when she was a kid reading Handmaid's Tale, she's like, This is bullshit. This will never be like this. And now she watches the show and she's like, Fuck. Mm-hmm. This could happen. Mm-hmm. Like a Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Like like the Hunger Games could be some shit in the world of sorry to bother you. Well there's a show. In Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah. Which is essentially, which, which, and this isn't a shot at the movie, but it's kind of just like, hey, catch up. Because Hot 97 used to do Slapfest in like, like the, the mid-2000s. Also, and now like, they have Slapfest. There's like a Japanese show. And also, where oh, like people I didn't get know that, up. but I believe it. I and there's also, that. yeah, there's, there's the Russian slap competitions. I, it's not just Russian, it's all over the world well, now well, at this point. It's a, the Russian guys are amazing because they like, they Can't smack imagine. each other in the face so hard. And they hug like there's this camaraderie. Yeah, I just felt a slap when you said that. I, 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 yeah, yeah. You smacked me in the face, man. Why'd you do that? It's part of competition. It's no, dude. You, you're not Russian. That's offensive. Oh shit! Sorry. Uh, sorry to bother you. Right? Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother the Russian. I'm Russians. sure people are offended by sorry to bother you. Think it's racist. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Also, without seeing it, but like you know. The, I don't want to name names, but there's like the typical folks who see this movie and it's like, hey, as a white man, I feel attacked and offended. Because they see themselves in Army... They, they, there's people who strive to be like Army Hammer's character. Sure. And the fact that he's looked at as the villain, I'm sure there's like some bullshit Tucker Carlson think piece where it's like, white men are under attack. Why, and, why and, is that? And that's... Well, that, that was a Jordan Peterson voice. Oh, I meant to be a dork. Well, they're both dorks, but Jordan Peterson and Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I mean, the thing, is, the thing is, white, white men are not under attack. It's just that there's, there's more art 
and media and presence of people that aren't white dudes. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. It's very, of course it's okay. And don't, and, and, and it's also like, stop thinking about yourself. When films like Sorry to Bother You, it's like, stop taking things so personally. Look beyond yourself. And assuming that, like, you're being attacked on a personal level. Because Boots Riley doesn't even fucking know you. Yeah, because Sorry to Bother You is way more about class than it is about race. Yeah, yes. And not to say that it's not about race. I mean, he makes a point. Just about every race is represented that works in that telemarketing company. Yeah. Asian, white, black, Latino. Like, so... And also, one of the dudes is played the officer in Laser Sism. Short film by Shaka King. Oh, yeah, right. That Lakeith Stanfield was yes, in. Yes, That I co-scored. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it's a good movie. And I think what's really important is that it's starting a conversation. And I do think people are probably responding to it and not looking too deep into it. But then there are lots of people wait, who... Wait, 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 what? Like, some people just think it's a weird movie. Like, I don't think they're like, oh. I mean, it is a weird movie. Yeah, but I don't think some people are like, oh, let me look into unions. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think it's a, I think it's a strong movie. I I look forward to see what he does next. I'm sure, I'm sure he's already in the talks to get more movies. Without question. Yeah. Have you seen Afropunk? Oh, the documentary? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have the DVD. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was thinking about it this week because I, I sent you I, I sent you that documentary Cry of Jazz. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? Yes, I have seen it. Okay. Yes. Well, have I talked about it before? No, it was more like you kept. It was a no. Last year, it took forever for me to watch it. Well, I love. And I had I it on it. my phone for a while. Not let's. We're not talking about let's get lost. I'm talking about Cry okay. of Jazz. Yeah. Um, and that movie was an inspiration for Afropunk. Yeah. The movie, which is very different from the fest. Very, down to the point where... Oh, what's the guy's name? Yeah, it's just he Spooner. left. Spooner. Yeah. Which I get on some level only because... Look, I'm not putting out a festival and I'm not setting these rules, but I do understand where he's coming from. This is years after he's left, but I do find it weird. Like, I've been to Afropunk a couple of times and, so, and some of the first words you see, it's the banner. It's like, you know... No racism, no homophobia, no classism, whatever. And when it's like, no homophobia is like the second thing that they're pushing. And then for like two years in a row, they booked Tyler, the creator. I understand the conflict there where it's just like a guy who loves using that F word is like one of the headliners at Afropunk. It is a little But he did come out on his last record. Wait, what? See, I don't, see, but I, I thought he was joking. I didn't know how to take that serious. Tyler's the I, kind of guy where like, I, I thought he was joking. I don't think he's joking. He's never talked about it, but does it does it surprise you? Not exactly. I do think it's like he makes he has made what I thought were heartfelt records about women that he had crushes on. I mean, I so think I think I, I think he's talented. He's not my favorite rapper in yeah. Hot Future, but sure. I I mean, I I think he came out, but I don't know. I got it's, very. It's, con- not, it's none of my fucking business. That's but true. But also, I think his Spooner's issue, I believe, mm-hmm. was that it was meant to be like a small thing 
and he felt weird that it was a it was a punk rock festival yeah. being sponsored by Mountain Dew. Right. Yeah. And look at it now. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's it's one of the bigger festivals, and it's a great festival. They get great acts. They do. But. But yeah. Also, should we should Tyler Crater not be able to perform because of the stuff he said? Well, there's two answers to that. If you push a no homophobia agenda in that venue, like, sure. Right. If if you're being extra about it and then book them, yeah. Now, the bigger picture, sure, perform wherever you want, as long as you're, bo- I mean, you can't just show up and start performing. But, you know, there's that conflict there. So What, what did you think of the music inside of all the, the Tune Yard stuff? It was cool. It was cool. It, it was surreal. It was surreal. Yeah, yes. I mean, the movie itself is... It, it fit the tone of the movie. I'll just say that much. So. I was surprised that that was the choice of music for right. the movie. Yeah. So. All right. So, to wrap up, um, the movie... Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm always paranoid this stops recording, so I always look and get worried. No, I think... It's happened to me a few times in life. Sure. Hi, Warren. Hi, Bradley. Okay. Hi, Doug. Uh, you ever you ever smoke PCP? Nope. Um. Yeah. You ever like your brain ever do a fart and you're like, what were we talking about? All the time, especially given my job. Yeah. Definitely. Oh. Daily. You see Ant Man? Yeah. I like that movie. It's fine. Again, I hate cinema. It's fine, but it's like I just I do think. I understand this is more one of the more secondary Marvel characters, but I just think good villains are important. And like the person who was pushed as the villain, was not ended up not even really being a villain. Was not a bad guy. I like she that. She was though. an anti-hero. But I like really, a real, I mean, anything of Walton Goggins, I'll see because he's very funny to me. But it, when that's the villain, it's kind of like, eh. At what point did Kevin Feige or whatever his name is be like, all of our movies should be about sins of the father? Yeah. Right. Oh uh-huh, yeah. Right. It's now. Now it's like every. Every fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. The past, like, nine Marvel Cinematic Universe films have been about uh, cursorily do people's dads being, being, like, whack. And, yeah, I liked it. I liked that uh, that now both hosts of On Cinema at the Cinema were in each. Exactly, yeah. Was not expecting to see Tim Heidecker in that. But nor was I expecting to see Greg Turkington in the first one, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How do we how do we close this one? Um, go no matter how. Like I'm not super praising it, but I oh chameleon, I, I, chameleon Street too. Yes, no, okay. I was just about to say everyone go see Sorry to Bother You, but yeah, everyone go see Sorry to Bother You. Everyone go to Amazon and order the DVD of Chameleon Street uh, until it gets sold out, and then people see oh there's a demand for this because it's probably in my opinion one of the most important you know black modern films ever made and it's just weird people not everyone knows about it but people who also know about it disregard it and downplay it and i think it's bullshit because it's one of the most original movies ever made and yeah so uh if you like this movie check out some of our recommendations go deeper in the rabbit hole it's a good movie there's also a lot of other good movies and you know don't always be surface level my friend
politician But if I was, I would go home and put on my freshest duds Get up on the podium and raise my right hand I promise to do a better job than the next man running I'd definitely be cunning Change the law so folks don't get done in By taxes, inflation, and all the aggravation Caused by racial tension I ain't no cop But if I was, I'd be the baddest DT that ever was Down with the fuzz Go undercover Buy and bust and put away drug runners The peddler stuff the children puff, sniff and shoot Spending all their loot on that get high I'm getting sick of this stuff I take a bite out of crime like the gruff If I was I was, dig it. I get a pink 18-wheeler and rig it with spoke mag white walls and red lights for headlights and a payload of fillies with fishnet tights and garnets. Hard as a rock, I'd haul my stable on down to the dock and clock dumb dollars off lonely sailors. Then I'd buy a few more tractor trailers. I ain't no farmer, but if I was, I'd be dope. Hook up your image and give me new hope. I do the flat top, the fade, the wave, the windmill, the cue ball. I'd have a haircut for all who came to my shop. The razor's edge, where I could be found shaving a bush or trimming a hedge, clipping and snipping from dawn to dusk. And when I finish, I spray it down with musk. If I was. 